Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Come Back the Podcast. Usually, your host is Connor, but today there's been a little change. So, your host today is me. My name is Ling, and I am a friend of Connor. And the episodes can be a bit different as well. Instead of Connor asking the interviewee questions, I will be asking Connor some questions that I find to be very intriguing for myself. Maybe we'll get some spicy answers out of Connor today. Hello, Connor. My heart's going. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. And yeah, you are episode three hundred and fifty something. So it's great always to have former guests come back to interview me because I learn a lot that way. And I'm hoping you also learn something from this conversation. Thank you for doing this, Lynn. No worries. I'm very excited as well. Um, so. Because I know you a bit more on a personal level, I feel like these questions are going to get a bit personal. So if you don't mind, give me all the deets. Okay, so how do you view dating these days? This started in a way that I didn't expect. Um, what do you mean by dating? As in, like, how do I view my own dating life or dating generally in Vietnam or in the world? I guess we can start with dating. For yourself personally, these um, it's an interesting concept because I'm somebody who does in the future want to get married. I do want to settle down and have a married and children, uh, but at the age of 25, I guess I'm I'm still developing my insight kind of let's say dating life. I guess. So how do I view it? Um, it's funny. I don't really resonate with a lot of the concepts like um, the social media kind of dating. I do find it a bit weird now that you go on dating apps and meet the love of your life, but it's the way that things go. And something about me, I like the idea of a long-term commitment. It's something I've always been, let's say, subjected to. With my family being, um, my parents married for thirty years. Grandparents had long marriages. So I like the idea, ideas of stability, commitment, and legacy, which ties into a long-term relationship. That's something I'll explore, hopefully, as my life continues.、Mm, okay. Since you mentioned that at the age of twenty-five, right now. Dating to—it's gonna always—I mean, for anyone, it's always gonna be evolving. But do you think you're at that stage in life now that when you meet someone, you kind of just—you can tell that this person's gonna stick, and quote unquote be the one? I don't agree with the concept, the one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know that sounds a bit, maybe slightly blunt or harsh, but I think there could be many ones. I don't think that everyone has this soulmate or like this one person that can do everything or can be that one. I think. Everyone has a lot of ones, and it just—it depends on timing, luck, and all sorts of different circumstances that attract you to that person. And I think that—I don't think also the one means the ones before it were failures. There's the idea that when you meet the one, it means that finally you've achieved it, as if the previous, let's say, three were failures. I don't think they were. I think the. They were all learning experiences, and I wouldn't class them as failures if you date and then break up. I'd say they're experiences and necessary learnings for when you are in the situation that ultimately is right for you. And I don't think if you say break up in a relationship, it has to be a bad thing. It's just sometimes is a case of needing a new chapter, like having a new job or moving country. So the idea of meeting the one and knowing if they stick or not, I must admit I'm a bit unsure due to my own personal experience, but. I think it can happen. It's just, I guess, it's tough. Like in nowadays, with this whole, I suppose, pressure of finding the one or your soulmate. But I do think it can happen. I do think you can find somebody who's compatible for you for a long time. It just depends on a variety of factors. 
Yeah. I, I think so as well. Like, I think there are going to be many ones in your life, and it just matters that, say, you just happen to meet this one person first, and it works. So you don't think of looking for another mm. one. But um, how do you know? Do you think you're at that stage where you're meeting someone and you know that, okay, maybe this person's going to stick? I think to do that... Being one of the ones, you know. Being one of the ones. I think so, yeah. Because I think you have to work out what's important to you. Where if you find, for example, travel important, like me, the next couple of years I plan on seeing a lot of the world. And obviously if I meet somebody, they have to be well in, in mind that that's the case. They can't, for example, if they wanted to settle in, say, in, say, Vietnam or England or anywhere else, that's at odds with what I'm currently doing. And I'm also chasing a lot in terms of creativity, in terms of meeting new people. I'm at that mix between going out and socializing and also discovering myself. So to do that, I guess both of us have to be aware of each other's, what's important for each other, whether this is something that we want, whether what we don't want, etc. And it's hard, to, I think you have to find a compromise, but not too many compromises where for example, if my partner wanted to settle, but I wanted to travel, and I settled to please her in a few years, if it doesn't, I would always slightly, silently resent because it's not doing what I want to do, not in a cringy way, but deep within me, in my heart. So it could be tricky. So I think there has to be a compromise, but knowing what's important to you, I think is a pretty solid foundation. Yeah. Are you, because I feel like for myself personally, I have been in relationships where I really enjoyed it. And there's nothing to complain about in the moment, but because of how I want personally, it's so hard for me to envision like, okay, you're like perfect for me right now and I have nothing to complain about you. But because I'm so uncertain with my life, this isn't gonna go further than this. Mm. Do you cast yourself like being in that position often? Yeah, because I think there is a pressure sometimes if you meet someone and you, you know, you start the dating and it's in the early stages and it's right, where's this going? You're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with myself, let alone where I can be. I think there can be a lot of that. And especially, I know in Vietnamese culture, where it's like, when are you going to marry then? It's like, oh, let, let me work out them out first. And I'm not sure what I think in terms of time frame. Like, how long is it acceptable to know each other before committing? Because I know people who've known each other six months and then got married. Some have been great successes. Some have been disasters. And I think, like, does it matter? Because I've known lot long-term relationships fail, but then short-term be a success. So I don't really know where it matters. But I think there has to be some kind of self-understanding in order to connect with the right person. I think that's a thing, for sure. Right. So I think this still ties in with the question just now, but realistically, say you meet someone and you're like, can you tell that, okay, you're great. Like, I want this to work. Do you, are you ever in that mindset where you can compromise so hard to keep that person in your life or more right now, you're still just focused on what do you want personally? Um, Have you ever met someone like that? Um, I think it's a case of compromising, but not too much. So like not putting your own, putting someone else's, I, not putting someone else above your own dreams and desires. And I think I'm probably quite selfish and I don't think that's that too much of a bad thing to be honest with you. I think that right now and in the last couple of years I've been very selfish and I don't really, 
I don't really mind too much about that where I have to really focus on myself and growing and improving and my health hasn't been the greatest in the last couple of years. So I've really had to focus on that as a pillar and a foundation. And I suppose meeting someone and saying like whether they're going to be there for the long term, I almost equate it with friendships in a way where I think a relationship is also a friendship just on a different dimension. Like, but then I think, I've, for example, got friends wrong before. I thought, oh, this friend will be with me for life, and they, they're not. And then looking back, it was obvious they weren't, but I couldn't tell in the moment. And I suppose I try not to let love blind me, where you can easily throw yourself blindly at this one thing whilst ignoring all the other blind spots. And we are emotion, emotional creatures. We thrive off emotion, and we often make decisions based on emotion, which isn't always the wisest choice. So you could, I think, dive into a relationship head on without checking yourself to all of the other things that are going on around it. And making a decision solely based on that, I think can be quite dangerous. So are you saying that realistically, you don't really want yourself to fall into a relationship head on um, right now? I'd have to be aware of everything surrounding it, to be honest with you. You're not the person that just like goes all in in a weird way, I kind of am that person in some senses. Like, I've, I was chatting with a friend this morning. Because of my obsessive personality, it can be amazing in certain points, right? If I want to be productive or I want to make connections or learn something, it's great. But if it's something that's a bit more, let's say, delicate, like a relationship, it has to be tempered. Because there has to be, like, stages. And when making big life decisions, I think that's when the obsessive personality needs to just chill for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, do I dive head in? Probably not, because I don't think with my personality it's a good idea. I kind of t tend to be quite cautious. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, it's certainly something maybe I could work on, but yeah. Mm. Okay. What do you think of monogamous companionship? Ooh. Especially nowadays when open relationships are almost being Mm. And I know that you just mentioned that your parents, your grandparents, they've always been in like long relationships. So yeah. what do you, does it change for you now? It is interesting, right? Because I thought about this quite a few times just, you know, when I heard it on podcasts. Because up until the age of, let's say, 23, I always was in this idea that, right, I know I just said I don't like the one, but I thought you were just with one person. And seeing people make a success of monogamy surprised me in a way. Uh, I guess I thought, hmm what is this all about? And I've only done a little bit of, let's say, listening and researching. But from what I see, in terms of myself, I feel like someone's also a bit unhappy with it. As in, if there's three people, surely not all three can be completely happy. Then again, I've not actually spoken directly with anyone involved in this. And I'm sure it probably does work. From my own perspective, I can't really see it, knowing my personality. And I'd be very surprised if I end up in one. If it works for you, it works for you. I just think that when it comes to a subject as delicate as love, and especially like on a deeper level, three is a crowd. Maybe, this is just my view currently. I might change my mind. I get it, I guess, especially in person, because whenever I think of open relationships, I can only think that's gonna work when it's a long distance relationship, you know, because people, humans have sexual needs. We, we want that like physical touch so I could see myself being in an open relationship when I'm with someone not physically. But when three people are in the same spot and you're saying goodbye to this person, they're walking out the door and you're wondering if they're meeting the other person. Mm. 
I just wonder, like, even really small things, like, who do you say goodbye to first when you're leaving the dinner table? For example, or like, who do you hug first? Who do you kiss first? Like, you know, even, I know that sounds really trivial, but if I was in that situation, the small things would, like, who do you tag first in your Instagram stories? Stuff like that, it sounds stupid, but I think it would cause friction. Yeah, yeah. Who, do you, who do you say goodnight to first? Yeah, there you go. You're telling yeah, yeah. me to, to have a good night, but have you messaged that person first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so th- th- there would always be that, because I think we're always driven by comparison as well. I feel like there would always be that element of, did they like the other person more? Now, if you can make it work and you don't have that and it's healthy, or even if you channel it healthily, great. Like, I'm not going to completely tear apart this notion, but I don't think it would work for me. I think I like the idea of a, a two-person two relationship, shall we say. Yeah, I think we've always been, or I've always learned that when you're with someone and you're choosing that person to stick with, you're, you're making an after choice. But when you have another person, it's like, oh, you're still having choices then. You know, you're not actually choosing mm. anyone. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so let's get a bit local. You obviously live in Vietnam. I'm Vietnamese. I'm an Asian woman. So how has your view on Asian women evolved ever since you moved to Asia slash Vietnam? Mm, it's hard to say evolved because I didn't really have, let's say, a clear definition of what to expect before I came here. I guess I came to Vietnam more for just a... I think I told you how I came to Vietnam just by pure chance, where I wanted to move country. I thought, right, Asia sounds pretty cool for a first spot, let's go there. Uh, Vietnam was the first to offer a job, so that's why I went. So there was no, I guess, in a a weird way, I jumped in at the deep end without knowing what I was getting myself into. So in terms of that, I guess I just came here, really, and I had no intention of, like, settling here. It was literally just a year-long sabbatical. So I guess I didn't have a reference point. How it is now, I think... I think if you... If we're talking about dating, East versus West, there will always be some kind of compromise needed due to cultural outlook, family values, language barriers, way brains are processed. I mean, I I spoke to colleagues about this when it relates to anything. UK versus Vietnam, you can't really compare anything in terms of the way things are done. From like mm. the way people drive on the roads, to the way people work in business, to the way people order their food or eat their food, or the way people communicate. It's all so different. So I think you have to be open-minded when coming here. And in terms of my overall view, it's made me just realize to be very specific in my communication. Not only, let's say, in say dating and relationships, but also in my teaching life and also when I'm out socially, just constantly, let's say, constantly really be specific about what you want and over-communicate rather than under-communicate. Where I think in the West, if you over-communicate, it sounds patronizing such as, so you're telling me you would prefer this. Is this right? In the West, you think, why are you being so pedantic and patronizing? But in the East, I think you have to. Otherwise, there can be so many little gray areas that you can miss and can cause conflict. So I think being very specific with communication. That's very interesting because I'm in a relationship now myself. And one thing that I get told quite often is I assume a lot. Uh, That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so, and I was very surprised when I got that comment, but I will not say certain things and then assume it for myself. So I guess your point Mm. of always dating what you want, 
being really clear about your expectations and intentions. I, th I think, to be honest with you, before Vietnam, I also assumed a lot without realizing. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements. And number three is Don't Make Assumptions. And it hit me a lot where even, let's say naively or innocently, I'd make assumptions of, oh, this person will like this, I'll book us tickets. It's like, you've not asked them. You need to communicate, you know? And I'll go, of course, yeah. So I think it's weird because a lot of the times we like surprises and we think it's cute to like surprise people, but they might not like the surprise. Right. Yeah. I mean, this obviously might, some cases surprises are still great, but I think not assuming things is a very powerful Yeah, factor. or during the case where like you don't want to overstep, like you just assume that, oh, maybe that person doesn't want that. Mm. But yeah, sometimes, you know, that's just an assumption. But so when I was living in Japan, I was talking to um, some Caucasian friends of mine and they told me that before they moved to Asia, they never found Asian women to be their type, you know, they never, they were just always more surrounded with like Caucasian women or like, like black women. But ever since they moved to Asia, being surrounded by Asian women all the time, they find Asian women to be super attractive. And it's almost like, it's not an Asian fetish, it's not a yellow fever, but it's almost like they gravitate towards Asian women just because they're surrounded by girls like that all the time. So do you find yourself being in that niche? Uh, I wouldn't say in the niche so much, but I do think there's certainly a case of that where in the West, I I got asked this recently by a friend like, you know, do you prefer Western or Asian women? And the answer is not really either, but I think growing up I would have said Western just because I was surrounded by Western. So it's all I knew. Then coming to Asia, I know a lot of people have done a complete 360. I'm I'm pretty easy to be honest with, I don't want to use the word easy. I'm flexible, right? Mm -hmm. I'm very flexible, but uh, I completely understand. I think it is a lot to do with the environment. And generally, I suppose people will have their tastes and their preferences, but I think environment does play a huge factor. And living in Asia is definitely pretty key for that, shall we say. Yeah, I think definitely, because you're like, you get up, you walk outside and you see Asian women all the time. And I think you're just more used to those features. Um, but, in that case, do you think your type has changed in terms of appearance? You just said that you're flexible, but I know some people that would be into like a more like voluptuous body type or like blue eyes, blonde hair, but you know, has that mm. changed for you at all? Has that changed? No. Right, this is going to sound very, what's the word, like wishy-washy, but mm -hmm. I genuinely wouldn't say there's a specific image that has been like for me since a young age. Like I generally, I mean, right, when I say I don't, of course I care about somebody's appearance. Like, I think we all do. Of course yeah. that is a factor. But I'm generally quite flexible, as in I look for things that are important to me. And a lot of the things that are important to me aren't black or blonde hair, or blue or brown eyes, or whether voluptuous or whether petite. Like, I really, a lot of cases don't care. It is gen, I'm going to sound so wishy-washy. <laughs> it is genuinely more about on the personal connection level, rather than, because I've seen people, right, They've literally gone headfirst into a relationship that obviously won't work because there's such a clash of values, of character, of personality, of values and morals. But, oh yeah, but she's got this or she's got that. Mate, are you seriously like giving up the, the fundamental components because somebody's got like blonde hair? Like really check yourself. So it's one of them where I can be genuinely flexible and I do genuinely just find attraction in more of, let's say, the personal values. Of course, appearance does matter, but... I'd say that's the thing. So in terms of having a type, it's hard to really say, which can actually be quite tricky because um, when 
I suppose seeking anything, it's pretty important to know what your goal is, otherwise you could get completely distracted. And I don't want to use the word goal because it sounds like I'm slightly gamifying this, but you know, a, a preferred, let's say, type. I'd say it's hard to really pinpoint anything specific. But yeah, that's general. That's just me. I'm, I don't know if other people are similar. Like, I know I'm the, the interviewee, but do you have a particular type, if I may ask you? Mm, I think, well, I haven't really lived in a Western country for that long. So it's hard to say that you have a type for appearance. I think less on the actual like skin color, like eye color for me. If someone has like gray eyes, you know, no matter what race they are, they're going to be attractive to me. But I think if there's anything that I'm going to be super blunt and like shallow about, I think it's just the height. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people are, I'm, I'm five foot 11. So I'm like, okay, if I just had like one more inch on my height, I could get, boom, <laughs> I could put myself slightly better. So yeah, whoops. <laughs> I think it's just growing up in Vietnam being a lot taller than other girls. I'm 168. Mm, okay, okay. So growing up, I was like super tall compared to everyone else. Like no girls would want to stand next to me in a photo, for example. So I think that, I think it says more about my personal insecurity growing up rather than my type. Yeah, no, I like the fact you've said that in terms of like, it doesn't, it, it can change. Like there can be, of course, features that you like more, like eyes or hair or color. But again, like, I don't think you can really niche it to be like, I need a girl who is exactly like this because it's going to be quite hard to find. Yeah, yeah. if, you, if you're pigeonholing. So yeah. I, I do agree with that. And also related to insecurities there, where if you want someone who's like height just to, because it compensates yours, I'd, um, I think for myself, what I would do and I can't think of one now, is I would ask myself, why is this an issue for me? Rather than, why should they conform to that, for example? That's what I'd probably do. Yeah, I think definitely, because um, my dad's a lot shorter than my mom. And they're happy, it's never been an issue. And whenever I meet someone that I think it's incredible, and I'm like, you're like a dream. But then they're not higher, taller than me. I'm like, no, it's never going to happen. So I've asked myself that question so many times. Like, is that how shallow I can get? But yeah, I think that's when I realized like, it's less about them and more about me. No, I think I've seen it a lot here and people have come on to me the podcast before where the, top, the height issue will be a thing that comes yeah. up. Also, it will be family values where I've seen people speak before that they've not been too keen because someone comes from a slightly more broken home. And you know, family's huge for them. They kind of want to save face. Career's a big one. I mean, mm -hmm. I know there's the idea that, you know, if you have money and status, it's obviously, it makes you more attractive and people will want that in terms of a long-term partner. Uh, I've had people here, like let's say women who go to the gym and they'll start working out more and getting more of that appearance and their partner will be emasculated by that. And I'd often think if that was me, I think why? Like, why does that bother? That would motivate me to get better. And it's the same, I guess, if you, put it the other way where, oh, my man doesn't make enough money. So, well, would you not elevate your career game to make you on the same point? Generally, that's kind of where I stand on both points where if you're triggered by one of your partner's quote unquote flaws or things that you don't particularly like in them, ask yourself why. I think that's a more valuable reason than just going, oh, well, they're not tall enough next. That's just my view. Yeah. So how do you think, this can get really controversial, but how do you think Asian women view you? Oof. In terms of like my personality or my appearance or what? I think we can tackle the 
Appearance first, and then personality. Uh, they find the curly hair interesting. Like, Tess, so curly, is it real? Because I guess they don't <laughs> see it that often. And I'm like, yeah, it's real. It's huge. Um, I guess in personality, to be honest with you, I wouldn't say it's that different from like a Western perspective. I mean, I don't know how I come across, to be honest with you. I can only go across from what people have told me and whether I take it on board or not. But I think generally, there's not like a huge difference. It's not like I come from the West and everyone thinks I'm X and come to the East and they think I'm Y. I think I'm pretty similar across the board. I think my main personality components like shine through each time. So I wouldn't say I'm viewed in a particular light, to be honest with you. I can't think of anything specific. Maybe my curly hair is an interesting thing. But I think general, let, I've just said that things aren't the same from the UK and Vietnam mm -hmm. in terms of there are component, different components and differences. But I think general traits like humility, kindness, courage, uh, fairness, these all things that transcend across the board. Like we can recognize kindness in different continents. So I think generally, that's not too much of a difference. I guess it's a question of how I would see myself and then hoping how they'd see me. Yeah. Do you think that starting out in Vietnam, you had kind of like an edge dating Vietnamese women just because you're, you know, a foreigner, a you're foreigner. different. And if anything, <laughs> we're going to go kind of controversial, but you're white, you know, mm. so maybe Vietnamese women who haven't really like interacted with foreigners will find you to be more attractive. Uh, it happens. It happens. I know a lot of male friends who've said similar. And I think if we were to flip it and I was, let's say, Vietnamese and went to England, I mm. think, sorry, if I was growing up in England like I did and a lot of Vietnamese people came over, I'd probably be more inclined to get to know them as well just because of the difference. Like there is a attraction in difference and mystery, I suppose, in something that's away from the conventional norm. So probably, yeah, it's probably been to my benefit that I'm foreign. Yeah. Um, do you perceive meeting the parents of an Asian, say, girlfriend to be more significant than those of a Caucasian or UK partner? Um, good question. Good question, because I know Asian family values are huge huge and in terms of the west it's not as big of a thing but it's still important right like if you meet the parents there's definitely an added layer to it but it also depends on the person's relationship with the family where some people find meeting the parents is just pretty ordinary like i used to think that everyone viewed this is my assumption my assumption years ago everyone viewed meeting the parents as a big deal now not everyone does some people it's enormous some people it's fairly big we'll get through it some people yeah you can come around tomorrow but it really just depends on the whole system i think from my perspective probably is slightly different with the asian model because i know the family is a big thing here it's hugely traditional so probably a bit more let's say serious but i don't, I don't want to discount the west too much in that regard let's say so yeah probably slightly more serious let's say in the asian way yeah because i think this question is based on personal experience mm. To me, I find taking someone to see my parents, to meet my family, it's a huge thing. It's almost like, I think I'm going to marry this guy kind right. of thing. Mm. It's not just like, oh, we're getting serious. It's way more than that. But, and that it's, I guess, like kind of a clash when I date people of other cultures. Because then they're like, why, why am I uh, almost like a secret to everyone around you? So... Would are you more mindful of that say a girl, an Asian girl, Vietnamese girl, invites you to go see your parents? Do you 
straight up go into that mindset like, oof, it's serious? Mm, I've, I know that it's me. I have a tendency to overthink. And I definitely did in my teenage years. So I would automatically, I think, to be honest with you, I could have done and could still do better in terms of dating and relationships. I think it's a weakness of mine where I can suddenly go into like that mindset of, oh, where's this gonna go? Like, where, this is either gonna end in marriage or breakup. Like, and it's like, whoa, whoa, just enjoy the experience and the journey and get the lessons from it rather than jump into the finish line. So I probably would think, oh, there's an added dimension here. There's an added layer. But I, yeah, it's a strange one, really, because I haven't, when we say meeting parents, I haven't seen my parents for three years. Well, that's a lie. I saw my mum in August for a visit. But in terms of, like, living and being around, I haven't actually seen them. I live away from them now. And I can imagine that I would be living away from them for quite a while because I have this, let's say, travel aspiration. So it's a, it's a tricky one to answer. So I almost have to go back to before I moved to Vietnam to answer this question properly. And I'd say, yeah, I probably would add an extra layer of seriousness to it. But I know a lot of people who... Jesus, that their parents have met like ten of their partners, and I'm like, it's just like a thing. It's like who are you bringing over this week, but it, it really just depends. I, I think for me, it probably is a bit more serious. If I'm just going to answer your question, yeah, and it's it's crazy serious for me. It's even hard for me to explain to my like partner and past partners how serious it is. I think they don't understand how deep it gets for mm. me when I take someone back to my family. Um, so yeah, so if you could tell me two things that you learned recently or you've gathered recently for yourself from the dating life um, in Vietnam or just overall at this um, stage in your life what can you tell me I think I shouldn't I should I should be mindful of my selfishness where I do have all of these goals in terms of a professional sense where I want to be very good at podcasting and writing and all of these things I do want to travel the world but it, it can't just be all about me and but on, on, on the contrary to that on the contrary to that and I'm almost going to contradict myself uh, I do still have to work on my health a lot I definitely that's something that has to be I guess at the fundamental but I can be a lot more compromising about it and I also should probably be more specific in what I actually want where if it gets to a situation such as what's going to happen next because I'm in that mode of oh yeah, I can just travel for a bit, I can just do this. I should probably be more specific with my goals, right? Because then I can work out whether I'm ready or not for serious commitment. Okay, so that's one. Okay, oh, I thought the two were, okay. Wait. I, I, I thought I put, um, I should be mindful of my selfishness and focus on my health, but also be mindful of where I go. Yeah. I'll, 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 ask, I'll, I'll give you another one. Because <laughs> I feel like I tried to put two into one then. So I guess, yeah, being aware that the person is still there, being specific with my communication, following my goals. Um, following my goals. No, I think those were two points. Yeah, I just, was, I just muddled them together. Yeah, yeah. Just combined them very yeah. um, fluently, <laughs> I guess. I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah, it, when you said it can't just be all about me, I relate to that so much because I think... For the longest time, I've always just viewed life as a solo journey. You know, I meet, I'll meet someone along the way and it'll be fun and I'm open to what could happen. But I've never viewed life in a way where someone will be next to me when I take the next steps. And what I've learned recently is that it's never going to work if, if you, you don't 
envision a life with someone else next to you even no matter how good that person is and how good that person is for your life and your next steps if you just think about what step you're going to take for yourself it's never going to work yeah i think i'm quite i think i'm quite a solo person to be honest with you like i quite like traveling solo i moved abroad solo i do my podcast solo i don't have a co-host i write solo i'm happy just doing things solo and i'm also not the greatest I guess not the greatest in a group, to be honest with you. As in, I think I'm quite independent, but it can be a weakness. As in, I'm not a great host, I've realised this, where I can host a podcast on a one-on-one, but hosting parties, hosting people when they visit me, hosting gatherings, it's something that, I know this sounds bad, because I'm in my own head a lot, I focus on myself a lot, right? So I feel like I see some people able to host huge gatherings with loads of people and accommodate all their wishes, and I could do much better at that. I could definitely be more mindful of other people's interests rather than just my own. Because in my head, it's the Connor show. And it, more people need to fit, fit into that, to be honest with you. Of working out what people want. And even, like for example, eating. Like I'll, I'll eat alone happily. And it's not an issue for me. I quite like it. But I'll happily just finish my work, come home, eat, do my podcast, read, sweet. It's like there's no factor of somebody else. And what, what I really think needs to be needs to be a thing in the next couple of years is learning to be more comfortable with a person. And that's bizarre because a lot of people have the opposite of being more comfortable with themselves. I think I really need the other one of just, yeah, really giving someone a bit more space and not being so wrapped up in my own thoughts and dimension. That's probably something that I could work on for sure. Yeah, I thought of that concept recently and I think it's when you're being so independent to a fault, like it's almost like toxic independence. Cause <laughs> like hosting a party as well, I've hosted like people over and it's it really stressed me out because i was like oh my god i can't have people over i'm too stressed and but instead of focusing on giving everyone a good time i'm just like oh my god i'm so stressed to have people around it's i'm I'm way too focused about my own experience me too me too and i I actually realized on my birthday which i invited you to but you were in thailand i over invited to the point where I forgot how many people were at the venue and I didn't give it much thought because I probably, as I'm saying this, I, I realize I am quite selfish. I do think about just what I'm gonna do rather than the general number. And so I, I just went, yeah, table for 20. Forgot how many people I invited and it's all, we're all crammed in. Yeah, which is sweet. It was a great night or whatnot, but the whole time I'm thinking, who's gonna come and how am I gonna accommodate them? And yeah, it's just, I guess I'm, I don't really know how to articulate it, but I'm not the greatest at accommodating others. And it definitely is something I should work on more. Yeah, with that toxic independence thing, like, (laughs) that that probably does apply to me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, this conversation is hitting me in a good way, in a good way. (laughs) Especially when it comes to dating, because I think uh, it's so hard for me to to be in a coalition with someone else romantically. Yeah. to me, I always thought that, oh, if I'm happy, then this is happy because I'm happy, you know? But there's just so much more to that and I'm just still learning. I think it's because like, it's it. I'm also quite rash. I'd say rash, I'm quite, um, what's the word? I like, if I like want to do something, I'll do it then. And so, you know, it's hard to do that if you have a, excuse me, a partner and you want to compromise where if I want to go on a trip, say, I've done it before. I booked a trip to Hanoi for the next day, Dalat for the next day, that for three days time. And I've been on trips before where I've gone home and just like, because I'm, the flight's not too much more expensive and I'm bored and it would save me money. I think right enough now. And I kind of move pretty quickly, even like podcasts, I'm like next podcast. And I know these are probably trivial examples of like podcasts and trips, but they also apply to other life areas where if, if I'm bored in a situation, I'll just change it. And 
you can't really change like that dramatically when you're with somebody because you have to be mindful that they might not want to. And so it's tough for me because otherwise I get restless. This is definitely an area I should work on. <laughs> Ooh, I relate so much to everything you just You know said. what I mean? Because <laughs> whenever you have an idea and you're so used to just like act on it right away, it's, it's, it's so hard to think that, oh, I have to consider someone else. Mm -hmm. But I think lately I've been learning that there's beauty to consider someone else and care about someone else other than yourself as well. Yeah, it's something that when, I mean, I'm going to talk a slightly other layer. When I become a parent, I'll have to be really mindful of where I look at like, my own parents and how much they put us first. I think that's just extraordinary. And I do kind of pinch myself sometimes and think, could I do that? We'll have to. We'll find out eventually. But I think I need to really like get better at that area of guess accommodating others. It's actually caused a couple of issues where n not with family, with say friends. Where a complete trivial example, we're in Dalat once, and some some kind of situation broke out where there was an argument, and I didn't know what to do, right? Because three people were there like arguing slash tending to the situation, and I didn't want to sit there all night, so I just left. But they like were really affronted the fact I left. But I thought, what's the point of me being here? Like that's it, night's done, bye. And then, but then I realised from their point of view, they probably like to have me around as like a safety blanket or as someone to like com like stay composed. And people have had that before, where they've wanted me there, not necessarily to talk to me, but they enjoy the presence. And I've just been like, see ya. And it, that's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I'm done. Yeah. So I think, yeah, be more aware of that. Yeah, I think there's a stage in your life where becoming independent it's growing but then i think after that it's learning that you have to be independent but also be comfortable with codependency mm, yeah for I sure think that's the stage where i'm approaching in life where that would be a step up from my toxic independence yeah. right now i think yeah <laughs> i'm also thinking of like the obsessive streak i have mm. where for example if um we want to do we want to do here's here's one say if we pick up a joint activity that we like I, when I like something, I really, 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 really like it. So let's say it's watching football. <laughs> we'll go watch one match together. I'll want to watch every single other one. It's the World Cup right now, hence why I use this example. I'll watch every single match. I'll go to every single different place. I'll know every team, every score. That person might only want to know two. And I'm like, it's almost like completely different frequencies that I need to like <laughs> balance to, yeah. just to not be so overwhelmingly obsessed right. with one thing and just be balanced and neutral. Yeah. Okay. So, I think this is going to be my last question and it rounds up to everything that we've just discussed about. To you, what do you think your 20s is for? Exploring yourself, figuring out what you actually really like and what you actually really want to do. Failing, uh, trying your best, uh, experimenting with different things and not being too worried if it fails or not because you have touch wood and based on let's say life probability 60 more years you were at your best in terms of like your dynamism and your energy hopefully again of course i can't use most situations this is where yeah you're young right so this is your advantage to try and gain experience where i think the 20s are for experimenting and fucking up and i'm pretty not actually i'm pretty grateful for my mistakes throughout my 20s and things that i can learn from like being more mindful of others not being quite so selfish, not being quite so in my own head, <laughs> not overthinking, not overanalyzing. Because I think the 20s and all these lessons are going to give me some really valuable insight for my 30s. And I think the 20s are the time for, let's say, silly, not silly, silly slash out there decisions. So whether it be go to too many parties, which I've also done, and I've 
put that knot on the head now, or whether it be go and travel another country. Like it worked out for me, it might not have done, but I'm glad I actually did move to another country. And I'm going to move to another country after this. And if it doesn't work, fine, at least I learned something what might work for me. Working out who you want to spend time with, and therefore to do that you have to work out who you are, who you, you yourself are. Genuinely just learning. Learning is probably the key word I'd say, which wraps up all the points that I've just rambled out. Learning and exploring and figuring out what you like to do. That's probably the 20s. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, on Instagram these days, I'm on Reels quite often. So there's this trend of like, oh, this is almost the end of 2022. And, you know, um, your 20s are for thinking that you have to be somewhere, do something, make something, create something. But no, actually your 20s for, are for wasting time. But learning something about that. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you learn something. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you have a takeaway, and you've not just yeah. coast coasty, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've still got half my twenties left, but I'm closer. We both are actually. Yeah. We are both slight getting closer to our thirties than our twenties. Like that happened in August. We saw. I realized actually the next day. I'm now closer to thirty than twenty, for the first time, and we are in that very early stages of mid twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was having so. a conversation with someone about it today. Twenty six will feel more a lot. Will feel a lot more significant than twenty five, just yeah. because. There's a, a, a mark, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like rounding up. Yeah, yeah, literally. I was teaching rounding maths recently, and it hit me. Oh, five. I'm just there now. I know. I know. We still round up to thirty, but yeah, I got a bit of leeway. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited for what the rest of the twenties will offer. I think I will improve a lot. Well, because there's a lot to improve on, and I don't say that in a self-deprecating way. Just there is, and yeah, I think I'll learn quite a lot along this journey. It related to a lot of things. Okay. Um, thank you for. Um, all these very interesting insights. I think we relate to each other on many points. I think we do. Yeah, so that's why we've always enjoyed talking to each other. But this is the end of the podcast. Um, yeah, I... Listeners, you will listen to Connor again hosting. So thank you for listening. Thank you very much. I think you've done a very good job here. You've hit me in a lot of ways, which I really enjoyed actually, like in terms of tough questions, but also I figured out bits about myself throughout this conversation. And it's actually why I brought guests back to interview me, because I hoped that conversations like this would happen. We've been friends since our podcast and I hope this continues. Thank you very much, Lee. No worries. <laughs>